Welcome and thank you for being here. This is the Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast series where people who have been involved in the programs in Life Changing Services share their story of hope and healing. We have several programs available for the whole family in Life Changing Services. We have recovery programs for men and young men, young women and women. We have services for women in uh, betrayal trauma, as well as self-mastery classes and addiction prevention classes. And we have so much support and training for parents here. And today, I'm so excited for you to meet Erin. I'm excited to meet Erin, too. I don't know Erin really well. I have been with him on general panels, which are held the third Thursday of every month at 7.30. And he has been a consistent presence and light in that meeting. And I just thought, I have got to interview that guy before he goes on a mission. I wonder if he would be interested in having an interview. And when I reached out to him, he was like, sure. And that's what you're going to notice about Aaron is he's a matter of fact kind of guy. I've already got that from watching him at the general's panel panel and he's almost ready to go on a mission. So I'm going to turn the time over to you, Aaron. And if you would just like kind of introduce yourself as a guy, like here's what makes me awesome. These are some of the things I like. This is a little bit about my family, kind of what makes me just a, a guy, just like you. Okay. So I am Aaron Arthur. I am 18. I have a mission call to Roseville, California, and I'm leaving in about two months. I am the oldest of eight kids, and we're all homeschooled, so you can kind of get the idea of what my mom has to go through every day with the craziness level. And that I, I really enjoy doing really anything outside. I'm a very active person, mostly football and basketball. And then I also really enjoy reading, which is kind of the opposite, but I, I can read very, very large amounts of books every day. And I'm also a personal lawyer trainer, and I have really enjoyed doing that, being able to help other people come to Christ. So before I ask you what a personal lawyer trainer is, I have to ask you, why would you do this interview? What makes you want to do this interview? And I know that's one of the things that would make you an awesome warrior disciple for Christ. Like, not just a disciple for Christ, but I'm a warrior disciple for Christ. Why would you be a threat to the dark side. So why would you want to do this interview? And what makes you a threat to the dark side? And, a, um, and an asset to the army of God. So the the biggest reason why I wanted to do the this interview is because I feel like the the more people that go out and talk about how they defeated Satan, the more people will be able to learn how to defeat Satan. I have been I, I have completed the, I've completed the program about two years ago now. Uh, I think two years ago in two, three months, or not two, three months, two, three weeks. So I really enjoy helping other people, and I think that's the, the biggest, the thing that makes me the biggest threat against Satan. Right now, I have 15 guys I'm working with every week, and another guy from one of my, I still go to my normal uh, once a week group meetings with Ben Smith and I work with one of the guys in there as well and I've been helping him 
to to a fight off Satan as well, and I talk to him every single day. So, and through him, two other people or one other person is joining the program and will be coming to our group next Tuesday. And then another young lady was invited to talk to the bishop and clear some things up in her life. So, that is so awesome. So yeah, that that is threatening. That's being annoying and disturbing, right? To the dark side. Yeah. That's something I've noticed about you and associating with you in the generals panel is you do not fear speaking, speaking up and being a light. And that's something I've noticed about a lot of the generals from the Sons of Healing program. It's our recovery program for young men, mm-hmm. anywhere from age like 12 to, oh man, they, I think it's but. 12 to 25, I think, is the age range for Sons of Healman. That's something I've noticed is that guys that become a general, a graduate of the Sons of Healman, they just have this, some more than others, but it's kind of like this, I don't care. I just get, I get, I kind of get stuff. What do you think that you get that makes you so open to sharing? Were you always open to sharing like that? Um, no, there was a time when I was very, very shy and not open to talking to anyone about anything really. But I think what's helped is that, uh, now that, now that I've come clean and that I, I've been winning, it's a lot easier to see how, oh, this can help other people. And it's just like sharing the gospel. People go on a mission because they want to teach other people what they have learned themselves and they want to impart and share that. So the way I look at it is you're really just sharing a different aspect of the gospel in your everyday life uh, when you do this. Awesome. I know that Sons of Human promotes service. (laughs) And how do they do that? And that kind of just starts dripping and instilling that minister mentality to to preside, provide, and protect kind of a thing for you. I think a lot of it is, uh, especially in my group um, and to varying levels in other groups, people will, the clinicians will have the boys do a lot of the things inside the group so that they're helping. And then when you see how much of an impact that makes on the other guys, then you want to continue helping as much as you can after you graduate. So like what kind of things would you do in group that's like the clinicians asking you to help? So a lot, a lot of captains log questions, though, especially sparring is really fun, probably a little bit too much fun for me. Then uh, occasionally the, the clinician will ask a couple of the guys who've been in there for longer to just kind of give the, out, the outline of the lesson that they're doing for that day. And then also the way that Ben has it set up, we have like a battle buddy that we talk to every day. So I have, right now I have two guys, one that I read the Family of Proclamation to the World with every single day. And then another that I, that was the original one that I was doing the Family of Proclamation to the World with every day. But we swapped up because we were the only two that were actually doing it consistently. So he was trying to get other people to also do it consistently. And so I, both of those guys, it's just kind of a help everyone else mentality for that. Awesome. And you used a couple terms that I'm sure some people would be like, what is that exactly? Tell me a little bit about the captain log. Like, what do you mean by captain's log? Why even the word captain? So they're called captain's log questions. They're a list of six questions that we ask in group and with each other and ourselves later if we're not in group that are kind of just built around 
helping you succeed and fight better. So there are some that, that go over when you lost to Satan, how did he defeat you? Others that go over, how did you defeat Satan the last time you defeated him? And then others that just ask you why in the world you're doing this in the first place. And that's, that's probably the one that I like the most because we do a thing called sparring where one of us plays kind of devil's advocate and tries to, to use things that they have heard Satan use on themselves before and play it against them and, and help them grow that way. And if I remember correctly, it's called captain's log because you have to be a captain in order to be the one that's asking those questions. And captain is used to be at week four. I think they moved it up to week six now that the program has gotten longer. Awesome. And so just a little bit, people have tried to kind of tell me what sparring is. And, you know, I teach eternal warriors. I am the director of the parent support and do lots mm-hmm. of things with parents and mothers. But mm-hmm. as far as sparring is concerned, I'm like, you know, I don't really know if I understand that. I mean, I get that it's like, you know, I know what sparring is like if I'm a boxer or, you know, mm-hmm. I know that that is. But so if I were in the Sons of Healing program and you said the question that is your favorite is the one where your people are answering the question. So why are you even doing that in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right? So if yeah. just so people understand the value of that and why people do that, would you be open to just ask me the question and then I'm going to pretend like I'm a new guy in group or something. And I don't really know what sparring is. And then just give me a couple examples of this is how we do sparring if, as you and I talk about it. Okay. So the, the basic around it is uh, you, you ask the person, why, why are you fighting? Okay. Why, why are you trying to, to fight off this addiction? Okay. So I'm a mother of a son who's been through the sense of human and I'm picturing my son back in the day. Now he's a lot older and adult and married with kids, but mm-hmm. now 16 years old, it was like, because I'm sick of this because I'm sick of this and I, I've tried everything else and um, I want to go on a mission. So with, with, something, with something like that, we normally, depending upon the, the guy that's doing it and what he's experienced before, he'll often go with the, you can't go on a mission for another two years anyway. Why are you trying to plan for that now? Or so, something along those lines where you're, you're trying to sh- tell them that, oh, this is now, not then. Why are you preparing that far out in the future? And also, especially if they've been in the program for a while, and uh, keep falling back to week one where they have to start over again. A lot of guys will go with a, if you're sick of this, then why do you keep doing it sort of thing? Just kind of try and use a defeatist attitude on them and try to make them feel like, oh, this isn't going to work anyway, so why am I still trying? Because that's two of Satan's greatest tools, procrastination and feeling like a failure. So good. So um, if you were going at that with me, it's really trying to get me to change my answer and focus on why do I fight right now? Mm-hmm. Why do I fight right now? Not dude, you're, you're saying you're fighting for something that's two years away. Why are you even trying? So you're trying to get mm-hmm. me to think of reasons why I care enough to fight today. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you're also getting me to 
recognize that it's not really worth it. Like, it's yeah. not really worth it. You're probably going to fail anyway. Yeah, because that's what Satan uses the most on most guys is um, you look back over what you've been doing for the past, some guys, it's up to nine years, and they don't see any reason why it's going to change now. Right, that's excellent. And so it's them kind of getting that, this is what I value. I value winning. I don't want to lose. And so I'm going to tell you a new thought, a more present thought that really Mm -hmm. connects with my value system and says, this is why I fight. And what does that do for, for me when I do that? Often it will, because when, when they're looking out that far in advance, they're saying that in their conscious mind, but in their subconscious mind, it's not really registering because especially for teenage boys, we don't really care that much about that far in the future. We'll say we do, but we don't really. And so it's kind of uh, helping them understand this is, this is the reason why you have to do this now, not for something way far in the future. Excellent. Okay, that's super helpful. You mentioned that when you were younger, you had a hard time talking to people, and and yeah. um, you have a large family. You're the oldest of how many kids again? Eight. Eight. Okay. You are the oldest. That. Yeah. yeah. So, and if you're homeschooled, then so much. If I'm your mother, I'm thinking so much relies on you, Aaron. Aaron, you are the lead duck of all these ducks. Like, come on, mm-hmm. Aaron. Right? And mm-hmm. so, can you tell us just a little bit so that the person listening can understand, okay, he gets the fight. Like, how old were you when you were exposed to pornography? Did your battle start with Mr. M, Mr. P, masturbation, pornography? Did you, how long did you just struggle by yourself? Yeah, how did you come to, to this place where I'm at Life Changing Services? This is how it all started. I, I first uh, first got exposed, so to speak, was at a uh, National Youth Leadership Training for Boy Scouts. I went to that when I was 13, which technically you're supposed to be 14 to be able to go to those, but somehow my dad managed to get me into it anyway. And I went through that. The problem was that there were a couple guys who were about my same age who were really, really good at drawing, but did not draw very good uh, material. And so that kind of put that thought into my mind. And then from there, mostly it was Mr. M because my dad appropriate call, appropriately calls our family, the family from the dinosaurs. This laptop that I'm on right now is one of only three devices in the house. So it, it, it mostly was Mr. M the entire time because I had no access to anything else which in a way is good in another, it it definitely was a good thing Um, for if, if there are kids listening who don't have phones and all that stuff, it sucks that you can't contact your friend, friends sometime, but it's a lot better than getting addicted to pornography and having to deal with that part of things. Cause when, when you have, uh, when you have both sides of the sword coming at you, it's a lot harder to get out of the way and to, to stop them both. So I, I was addicted for probably, let's see, two years ago. So I was addicted for about three years before I finally got caught. 
I had gone from just normal Mr. M to finding books that were not appropriate books and I would hide them around the house and then go read in a corner somewhere. And one of those books got found and brought to my dad and he sat me down and talked to me for a while. And then I met with my bishop for about uh, probably three or four months. And then that bishop got released and we got a new bishop called. And right before he got called, me and my uh, first bishop that I had gone through this with had been talking about going into Sons of Helaman. And as soon as the new bishop came in, things kind of sped up a little bit and I got put in into the program. I was not forewarned what was going on necessarily. Uh, bishop had talked to me a little bit about the Sons of Helaman program, said this is kind of what it's about. But my dad filled out all the paperwork and got all that stuff done beforehand and then just told me, hey, you have these three meetings you're going to. One's with Adam. Uh, one's with the opening meeting with Ben Smith, who's going to be your clinician. And then the last one's going to be your first group meeting where you're going to show up on a video conference with about eight other guys who you have no clue who they are that are all struggling with the addiction. Uh, from there, Adam. Adam is a great personal wear trainer. If anyone has Adam, you are very, very lucky. He is very, very good at what he does. So I, I went for probably about four-ish months where I'd make progress and then slip back a little bit and make progress, slip back a little bit. Um, and then one of the guys in our group who actually is the next door neighbor to one of the guys that I talk with on the phone every day, uh, which is kind of strange because we're, it's all online and that's kind of a weird thing to happen was about a week ahead, had about a week clean and he challenged me to make sure that that gap didn't widen any further. And that gap never widened again. I guess that's just kind of what needed to, give me the kick is I had to have a challenge someone else that I was up against to try to make, to see who could go further. So I, I was able to go up from there and now I've been clean for, like I said before, almost two years now. Wow. Uh, and how hard was it for you to talk to your dad about it or to go to your Bishop? Um, talking my dad to my dad about it was probably the hardest part because I knew he was disappointed in it and at the same time kind of shell-shocked because he didn't expect he didn't see it coming at all so that was probably the hard part especially because I knew as soon as I saw what book he held in his hand that I had been caught and so I was trying kind of my the the way that my brain worked at that time was that was an immediate go flee as fast as you can uh, but I couldn't because we were downstairs and I couldn't really go anywhere and then the bishop was a lot easier because I had, I had already talked to my dad. We had already figured out what, what needed to happen in order for me to become clean again. And I had been wanting to tell someone for quite a while, but I didn't know how. And so once, once we got past that first really awkward point with my dad figuring out what I needed to do, it was kind of a relief just to go to the bishop and talk to him. Yeah, so what, what was it that made it so hard to know how to go tell someone, you know, cause I'll, that's just such a big hurdle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest part that made it hard is not knowing how he was going to react. I, I didn't want to get yelled at or screamed at about it cause I knew what I had done was wrong, but I also knew that I was trying to fix it and I didn't want to get thrown underneath the bus again for something I was already trying to fix. And so it, it was kind of a, fear fear of not knowing what was going to happen so that that was the biggest point for me um, a lot of guys say that it was just it was it was really bad but you don't 
something like that's not something you can just tell someone at any random time. So you, you, you sometimes try to get your parents when, when you can talk to them alone, but especially with a family my size, it's very, very hard to get a parent alone. And so that, that was probably one of the hard things was trying, trying to contact a parent alone. So I would definitely suggest meet with your kids like every, like once a month or something like that, just like a PPI or something like that. So they have a chance to talk to the parent one-on-one and that way it's not the awkward, oh, I could tell them now, but I have like four siblings around and none of them are going to keep their mouth shut if they hear about it. So. And it's so much harder to, you know, to just open your mouth that first time to say, can we talk? And then afterwards to think, oh man, I really said, can we talk? And Mm -hmm. you have to be the one to initiate, can we talk? And if parents Mm -hmm. hold meetings or have something regular where this is Mm -hmm. a place where we really want to support you and see how you're doing and uh, be your best advocate for whatever it is in your life that you're wanting to grow or need some support with. Yeah. If that's there, then it creates an opportunity for that. Mm. to happen. How much different was it when you actually talked to your dad than what you pictured in your mind? He was a lot more forgiving and a lot more feeling than I, than I was thinking he was going to be. Um, which was definitely a good thing. I had kind of imagined this screaming rampage in my mind, and it wasn't that at all. So, I mean, the best thing you can do in a situation like that is show that you love them, but don't love the sin. And then do everything you can to help them fix it. I love I love that you mentioned love. Yeah, because if we can respond just in love, it gives us so much credibility as parents that we are really trying to... Mm-hmm. We're there for you. So good. Would you share a little bit about what is happening to you during the period of time when you're exposed to experimenting, to becoming um, hyper curious, to then getting to a place where I don't even have self mastery here. Even when I say stop it, I don't stop it. Like what's happening to you all that whole time when you're not telling someone what would be the motive of our adversary to keep you in that spot? His biggest motivation is you can't really do good when your brain's constantly in it. I think Adam's Adam's um, analogy is very good. It's like going and bathing in a manure pile. You're not really going to get clean, but once, once if you're in one, it's a lot harder to get out of one. And then you just constantly, if you're not fighting it, you're sinking. And I think that's, that's the, that's basically what it is. If you're not help, if you're not trying to get out of it, if you're not talking to your Bishop who holds the keys to, to the atonement in that area, then you can try to claw yourself out all that you can, but it's going to be one step forward and two steps back almost every time. So why is having help? Why does that make the difference? Because I think so many of us, we're so terrified of someone thinking we need help and that that makes us weak. I think the adversary is really good at saying, oh, you can fix this. You can fix this. Uh, don't tell mm-hmm. anybody. Just take care of it. You know, so why, why do we need that hand? And when do you know you need a hand? Well, when people realize they need the hand normally when they hit rock bottom, but really, the fast the faster you can grab a hold of the saver's hand, the better. 
and and going to group meetings is one of the best ways because it, it brings you back down to level zero. I, I really like military sort of things. And one of the analogies that I really like is uh, when you go to group meeting, you're going into your regiment, you're joining that group because you wouldn't go in and fight Vietnam by yourself. You'd get slaughtered really, really quickly. So going into that group meeting is, is like going and joining your regiment. And then going, going to your Bishop is like going to the armory and actually arming yourself and making sure that you can be defended through the atonement and that it can clean up any wounds that you have. That is awesome. I love that kind of stuff too. I love it. That's so cool. And you know, what do they say? Something about running into the jungles of Vietnam. Uh, that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a stupid soldier if you're doing it by yourself. Right. Yeah. So just that whole thing that your dad said, you mentioned it earlier. Well, we've got you signed up for this group and you're going to go into an online meeting with all of these guys and all of them have the same issue. And you're going to talk about stuff in a group setting. Like what was your initial thought when he said that? My initial thought was, wait, what did he say? And then after that, after he kind of explained what was going on, my thought from there was, okay, I guess I'll try it, but I don't really think it's going to work. So I, I came in with the mentality, I'm going to show up to this, this group and I'm just going to try to just lay back, not say anything, just be the really untalkative guy that, that no one really pays attention to. And clinicians are very good at making sure that that doesn't work very well. Especially Ben. I, I, know, yes. ben, I know Ben pretty good. And yeah, he's a, he wants everybody to get involved. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. And I think they're all like that. When you came to group, what surprised you the most? What was when you, cause it, obviously it wasn't what you expected it to mm-hmm. look like. I think what surprised me the most was that there was no like awkward, Oh, we're all forced to be there. Everyone was kind of laughing. They were enjoying themselves and they were working together as a team. There wasn't like, Oh no, this guy has it too. We both suck. It was, we both have it. Let's get out of it. Awesome. So there was like no shame. Like said, no yes. shame. Okay. So good. And what's something that when you consider the whole Sons of Healing program that you would say, you know what, this is a huge takeaway for me from the Sons of Healing program that I don't think I'll ever drop. Like it's just a big takeaway. Manpower. I will always be doing manpower. I think if I had if I had known about that beforehand and had been doing it beforehand, I don't think I would have fallen into the addiction in the first place. Um, I think that's that's something where if you put into your life, it you pretty much before your mission you turn your entire your every day into kind of a missionary training camp, and then it brings the spirit more into your life and it helps you to be able to win those battles far easier than if you're just not doing anything at all. Awesome. Give me just a little idea of like, what is manpower? So manpower is six goals off the acronym manpower that help you in your everyday life. The last three PW and R are for your connection with your heavenly father. And then the first three, one, one is a kind of service oriented one. One is something you want to get rid of. And then the other one in my case is uh, action every day that I take. So I exercise every day. Um, and some guys will be accountable so that they're, they're showing that they're trying to work harder. All right. And do your man goals 
do they change throughout the program or do you, once you're in and you pick your, your M, your A and your N goal, is it always the same? So I go through, I rotate through all my goals once every six months. Um, and I will add to them normally once every uh, one, each goal gets added to once about every six months. That way it's, it, it's not easy for me to continue doing because if you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, eventually Satan will find a weak spot. Um, so I try to up, up my goals once, uh, one goal per month. Okay. So that means if your goal started at a level one, you'll keep the same kind of idea, but make it a little more challenging. Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And, and what about the, uh, the P, W, w and R? Like, why is that so significant? Prayer writing and reading are really significant, mostly because prayer, you're directly talking to your Heavenly Father. Um, and that's one of the, the best ways that you can bring that power into your life. Writing, personally for me, I, I do uh, write to future wife, and no guy is ever going to want to write to his future wife, oh, I lost a battle today. So that can be a very, very good reason for fighting. And then it, it kind of helps you think through your day, how Satan attacked you, how, how things worked. And it's a lot easier, even though I hate writing, it's a lot easier to make sure you win your next battle if you look over and say, oh, this is how Satan beat me the last time. And then reading, it just, it brings so much of the spirit in and you can learn so much from the scriptures and from other books like, like Dragon Today They Fight or Armed with Righteousness or things like that. And, you know, obviously Sons of Helaman refers to a story we're all so familiar with, you know, the 2000 stripling warriors in the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. in the Book of Alma, talks all about that. But and it talks about them, you know, fighting. It talks mm -hmm. about them fighting their enemy. Mm -hmm. The enemy is the Lamanite, and the warrior that's fighting, like the stripling warriors, mm -hmm. are the Nephites. Okay, got it. Yes. Okay. Anyway, I had a little brain freeze there for a second. Why the whole warrior mentality? Like, what's all that about? And why? Why are you talking so much about? Satan and that he's the enemy. Isn't that kind of dangerous to talk about that so much? Obviously we don't try to dwell on Satan himself, but on how to defeat him because his entire point in life or in the way I like to think of it, lack thereof is to try to make as many people as possible miserable like he is. And it quite literally is a spiritual battle that's been going on since the beginning uh, uh, since Satan got thrown out of the Lord's presence. And I mean, there's no really other way to describe it than a battle. Somewhere in the scriptures, I don't remember exactly where, it says that the earth is the battleground for man's soul. And Satan is doing everything he can to make that battle as deadly as it can be. A good way of further describing it is Back in like World War One, World War Two times, if Satan wanted to attack someone with something like pornography or something like that, he would have to put it in a store that they'd have to actually go to. And then as things got closer and closer, he could put it within uh, a couple miles, then a couple hundred feet. And now it's like a radar bomb that he can put right in your lap. And as as Satan has been increasing his game and making his side more deadly. We need to train harder and harder 
and really become like warriors um, in, in every sense of the word. I have trained myself enough where if I get attacked while I'm asleep, I will wake up even if it's the middle of the night just because I'm being attacked, which at times is kind of irritating because I want to be asleep, but it prevents me from losing. Excellent. So your level of discernment has really uh, reached a level of heightened sensitivity. That's yes. Yeah. To wake up in your sleep is awesome. So you mentioned that you're a PWT and that Adam is an awesome uh-huh. PWT, but uh-huh. what in the world, a personal warrior trainer, because when my son went through the Sons of Healing program, that didn't even exist. Wasn't even a part of the program. Why do you think mm-hmm. it's so cool that you have a clinician and a group, but uh, isn't that enough? What does a PWT, personal warrior trainer, add to your experience? There's a far higher level of accountability with a personal warrior trainer than there is with your clinician. Because while clinicians are really good at making sure people don't slip through the cracks, eventually, if you if you just stay silent and everything long enough, he won't be able to to track you down anymore. Um, but it's the personal lawyer tra- personal lawyer's trainer's job to work with you directly for a half hour every week, and it's only you and him in that meeting, so you can't really get out of it, and you're you're kind of forced to be accountable, and that that really improves things. And then also, because most of those guys have gone through the program themselves before, they know what works and what doesn't, and they can really help you improve your goals to a point where they they will help you win every single day because the, the personal warrior trainer's biggest job is going over the, the six manpower goals and saying this worked, this didn't, what can we change here? What can we change there to help you win the addiction battle? Excellent. And it's so cool that you love that service and that you, it's obvious that you're rocking that. It's super awesome. So good. So as you consider just your experience in recovery, getting to a place of recovery, and you mentioned you used to be like this, but now mm-hmm. I'm like this. What was what have you noticed about your divine identity? Well, uh, at first, I think this happens to a lot of people. When you're in the addiction, you kind of identify yourself as the addiction, which is not true, but Satan's really good at playing that game. And so once once you realize there are a lot of people struggling with this, and it's not me that's the problem, it's the earthly side that likes those sorts of things that because there has to be opposition in all things makes it so that our uh, our um, agency is so much more powerful and so much more potent. And I think when you, as you go through the program, you realize pretty quickly that Satan saying you're the problem is not true. It's there is a problem and I need to fix that problem. So, so this doesn't define who I am. I've mm-hmm. already, I've already been defined. I've always been defined as a son of God. That mm-hmm. I am enough. This is just a weakness of mortality that I'm walking through here. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. Could you just share with me if you were to just run into another young man and you knew the Spirit just said that guy is struggling. He's totally struggling. And it got to the point where you just knew he and others, like, what would you say to a young man who's struggling, who still hasn't said a word? I would say go talk to your parents. If you're not comfortable talking to your parents, at least go to the bishop. Because the the bishop loves you 
He's not going to blab to everyone, oh, this guy has this problem. And he, he has a direct connection with the Lord and the keys necessary to help you succeed and win your battles. But at least tell someone so you're not struggling through it alone anymore. Because when you're struggling through it alone is when Satan can do the most damage. And then I, I would just have to say, go, go through the Sons of Healing program. I know there are some people that go through 12-step or things like that. But when you're a teenager, um, I've looked through the, or through the 12-step. It, it doesn't matter as much. Those, those sorts of things don't matter as much to a teenager as they do to an adult. Um, it's, it seems to be geared more towards people that are older, getting married or are married. And a 12 to like probably 17 year old boy doesn't really care about those things. He's not thinking about those things. Those things aren't the most on his mind. He's thinking about school, the next test and the hot girl he saw at lunch. So it's the program is built to help teenagers help teenagers fight their battles. That's excellent. So what did you notice about another fellow warrior or your clinician? What stands out to you that you could share without revealing anybody's real personal identity or anything like that. But what stands out to you that you're like, as I look back in my experience, this one experience, uh, whether it's yours or some a fellow warrior or your clinician, just something in group that you were like, that was awesome. Let's see, probably about four. Uh, I don't remember how long ago it was. We were, our clinician was giving a lesson and one of the guys that have been in group for a while, been started group, about the same time as I had, um, and had finally been getting back up, admitted that he had been lying for quite a while. And it, it was very powerful how everyone in the group did everything they could to help him through that time. Cause it, it's, it's not a good thing to do, but we all understood where he was coming from because we had all lied to someone at some point about the addiction. And so it was just really powerful seeing how everyone came together to help lift him back up after he had fallen down. Wow. How vulnerable would that be to be in a group where you're accountable every week and then to admit, finally, uh, I've been lying. Really. I'm not doing, that's not really my score. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. All right. You know, is there anything that comes to your mind, Aaron, before, I just would love for you to answer the Q1 question before we sign off, but is there anything that comes to your mind that you would just love to say to anybody, uh, young men, parents, bishops, anything else that comes to mind? Don't give up hope. It's hard and it's definitely a struggle, but no matter how long, how long it takes, it'll be worth it in the end once you get over it. I have seen quite a few parents show up at general's panels and things like that saying, my son's not progressing. What do I need to do? Love them. Let them do what they can and help where you can. But as long as they're trusting in the Lord and doing all they can, they will eventually beat the struggle. So excellent. And, you know, because I'm the parent support specialist, I love to say to parents, while your son is in Sons of Healing, the very best place for you to be is in Mothers Who Know because it totally trains. It totally trains mothers and we have fathers who fight for you, for them to know what to do, the best way to support someone in that situation and how to take care of them in a powerful way so they can support you in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. cool. So Aaron, we talked about this earlier. 
why you why do you even do this that that's one of the captain log questions is why are you fighting and why don't you just give up would you please just tell us why you're fighting before we go I am fighting so that I can have the spirit with me every day. You cannot have the spirit. The spirit and the addiction cannot reside in the same place. And it cannot, the spirit cannot reside in unholy tabernacles. I fight so that I can help bring more people closer to the Savior and so that I can know what I need to do now to help prepare me for my mission where I will devote two years of my life every single day to helping other people come closer to the Savior. That is probably the greatest thing I can think of for anyone to show that they love the Lord and that they trust in him is giving up two years right in the, the age of decision area where they're going out and just committing. I am going to do what you want me to do. And I think that that is probably the greatest reason that why I'm fighting right now is so I can go out there and do whatever the Lord wants me to do. And so I can have the spirit so he can direct me to do that. That's so awesome. And I love that. That's your right now. Why? Oh, you're going to be such a great asset to some, awesome young woman's life after your mission. It's going to be so great. I'm just really, I wish I had a daughter that could date you when you came back. <laughs> uh, but you know what? That's what I tell my daughter all the time. And my sons who've been involved in Sons of Healing or anybody that I have the chance to talk to is a young man with a general's ring on his finger is so much more prepared to fight the battles of this day and really know who the adversary is and how to find the savior in a world full of opposition. And because he has that warrior mentality and he's learned that Christ is needed to win this battle, the reason I preside and provide and protect is because that's who Christ is. And I am his warrior disciple. And I get that I do that for the women in my life that I love. So so dearly and oh man i can't even tell you how much i want my daughters to have that you know and how much that means in my life when the men in my life step up and make me feel so safe Aaron, i want to thank you for being that guy and for fighting to get to that place it makes me a little emotional because i just like you for that so much i'm just so glad that you put forth your effort to do that and that you're willing to do this interview and I know that your desire to serve on your mission and here in this interview is going to be such a great blessing to so many people and oh man we're just seeing the crack at the beginning it's going to explode open it's going to be awesome so um really before we sign off I just want anybody listening to know that you can Check out more about Life Changing Services and its programs at lifechangingservices.org. For Sons of Human specifically, it's sonsofhuman.org. We have an online and in-person group. Such a valuable program. I just love it. I'm a little biased, but I just haven't heard of one more better thing out there. I just love it. It's changed my life and made me know who I am as a daughter of God. Boy, do I see people in weakness differently. I think they're so great. And I'm so grateful for that perspective. So thanks so much for being with us today, Aaron. Appreciate Thank you it. for having me.